0: Welcome to another episode of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is Brent Deverman. Hey, Brent, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Hey, hey Kevin, really glad to be allowed to uh, be on your show. Been listening for a long time. Um, I'm uh, based in Hong Kong. Um, I uh, studied computer science and East Asian studies, and uh, immediately got a job in in China um where i uh later on founded a internet based media company providing services to tourists in in english um uh, for the city of shenzhen um and then uh, uh after that i found a job in um hong kong working for cnn and have been here ever since uh doing uh digital transformation projects for hsbc DFS, um and, uh, then now, uh, working for, an insurance company. Um, so, uh, um, and, you know, in my digital journey, I've done a lot of uh, experiment with a lot of, uh, tools and stuff and have some good ones to show to you today.
0: Well, wonderful. I'm so eager to hear what you have to share with us and thank you for volunteering. We appreciate it. So, um, so Brent, what's, uh, one of your favorite tools?
1: So, um, as I mentioned, I studied computer science and um, I uh, will share my screen to show you a new programming language uh, that came that came from the Mozilla Foundation. Um, it's called uh, Rust, uh, so I'll zoom in here. Um, and so uh, it's a programming language called Rust, which is, um, I think, over the last decade, we've seen an explosion of of JavaScript and Python and um, these kind of scripting languages. Um, well, this, this Rust language is more of a low-level language, uh, uh, similar to C, C++, um, but uh, I think one of its big objectives is to be more safe. So more memory safe, uh, safer for doing a concurrency. Um, and so it's- wait, um, wait, wait, wait,
0: When you say safe, I'm, I'm not really sure what you mean by safe, safe. Uh, so
1: like in languages like C, um, there's a thing called a, a pointer, um, and it programmers are expected to remember, um, uh, where that pointer is pointing and to make sure that it's always pointing to valid memory. Um, and it's very hard for humans to, to actually, uh, you know, do that flawlessly and it introduces a lot of errors into the code, which means a lot of security vulnerabilities. Um, and so that's, you know, we end up with a lot of uh hacks on our our phones and computers um and so this language I think was built you know from the ground up to try to prevent and avoid those kind of issues um so it has a uh various concepts in it like uh borrowing, which makes it so that um you are never pointing to some point of memory that you didn't intend to point to okay. um,
0: so and- in addition to it maybe being more secure, inherently more secure, the Mm. apps written on it are inherently more secure. What are the other advantages that Rust has over, say, a classic, like you say, C++? What what are the, um, why should someone else consider this?
1: Um, so it also comes with a, a package manager called Cargo, and I think if people are familiar with JavaScript, they're familiar, and, and Node.js, um, they're familiar with that uh, package manager concept, um, which means that you can publish uh, various libraries, and you can um, then use those libraries um, and, and not have to rewrite things from scratch, and much easier to share those libraries, um, much like Node.js has that. and um, So that means you can really um, reuse things a lot easier. Um, And um, so, for example, I can create a um, cargo. It's called the package manager. And I can create a, and it just lets me create a new um, package, new application very easily. So I can type hello world, create a new one. Okay, so I have, um, I already have that. So I can go to hello world um in my directory um and you can see that it's already put some uh files there for me um to manage what uh, my dependencies are so if all okay. those you know various tools that
0: are available sure um, okay and it, so um so you ha- so it, there are some other capabilities so what are the downsides to using Rust?
1: so downsides would be it's um a little bit more complicated than say javascript or python to learn um you know uh compiled so it's a compiled language right so you have to make sure you remember um all the uh types um of the variables you know declare things as as integers floats um and more complex data types that you got to remember um and then wait for it to compile but you know it'll give you a lot more helpful error messages if you do something wrong um in your code uh and then um you know, it should be more secure once you compile it and run much faster. You know, so it'll run um, as fast as C, um, where you know it's so it's kind of can be orders of magnitude faster than Python and JavaScript at sometimes.
0: Are there enough people using it that you could um, benefit from, say, like a copilot or something, where you can get your AI to write scripts based on training on others? Yeah,
1: so definitely, it's um, it's come on my radar because a lot of command line tools are being rewritten in Rust uh, for because it's so much faster. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of tool, developer tooling that's being rewritten that is being used by, say, the Node.js community or the Python community, um, and, and they're calling it. And so it's really gotten some momentum. Um, and I think it's... Uh, made it so that um there's a lot of resources um you know i've got uh plenty of uh books about uh, rust um so this is one called rust in action um and uh i've just found many tutorials that make it pretty easy to pretty easy to learn yeah
0: so i don't know how languages work nowadays but i assume it's free anybody can get it
1: yeah it's absolutely free um uh, you can just go to rust-lang.org and then you can um, uh, use the script to install it on your Mac or uh, it's Open sourced is it open? Yeah, source? it's it's open source uh, originally from the Mozilla Foundation. Yeah.
0: Okay. All mm-hmm. right. So that's a great um, suggestion. If you mm-hmm. are inclined to program, consider Rust. Um, so Brent, what's what's a second tool that you um, would recommend?
1: Okay, so um, my second software tool um, that is one called um, Reader Readwise. Okay, and um, so uh, it's a RSS reader. Um, this RSS reader is um, uh, from a company that created a kind of a, a information memorization tool uh, called, um, and it's kind of one of these read it later products. So. This is the homepage for um, it's under Readwise.io, um, and the the product is called Reader, but they also have a product called Readwise that that integrate together. So it's it's a very good RSS app, um, and you know for people that don't know, RSS is is a tool that a lot of websites still support to follow um, uh, what they've published recently, um, and so. You know, I'll subscribe to various Mac websites, um, Google searches on Rust uh, in newsletters. It also supports email newsletters that you can subscribe to and send to this. And then, um, you know, you can click on the um, uh, 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 article that you see and you can, you know, read about the Vision Pro. And, you know, it takes all the content usually from the website. Um, and formats it in a standard way and can summarize it using AI on the side. Um, and so it's got a lot of keyboard shortcuts and iPhone version of this as well. An iPad as well. So I can, you know, read and synchronize um, whatever I'm reading on the go. And it will kind of give you an idea of how long something is to read as well as, um, you know, you can easily go through your library and, you know, uh categorize what you want to read if you want to read it now or later
0: um, and does it work a little bit well first of all you know rss readers are been around for a long time and they used to read mostly blogs so when person was posting something instead of going to the website mm-hmm. you would get the rss feed to your reader and you would read them there as as if they were a stream so it was a way to kind of make a stream out of different Blog posts and nowadays newsletters. Um, and the the big one was Google Reader, which um, had yep. the most users. But then they Google killed it, and um, there are a number of alternatives. This is one. So, um, how does Reader compare to some of the other um, RSS readers that you might have used or tried out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think because of the way that Google had that that architecture, a lot of other ones had kind of uh a site that you would set up your RSS and then you'd have the client app that would log in and and get those feeds and show it to you. And so I felt found it a little bit more complicated where this is just one um uh just one app that does everything. Um and then plus you can um you can actually highlight uh, text um, and it'll kind of save it for later in the Readwise application, and the Readwise application can then um, quiz you um, on what you've uh, read in the past. So there's like a daily review function in this other Readwise application, which is part of their subscription, um, and so you can you can be reminded of things you've highlighted. And so I've I have various highlights in in various books and stuff and can kind of review notes and okay. and keep keep information fresh and top of mind.
0: So I think what maybe you're suggesting is that another reader like Feedly or something is just simply we're reading it, but Readwise has the capability of somewhat like Evernote where you can actually, can you save an entire yeah, web page yeah. itself? And not just- Yeah,
1: it basically saves the whole article. I can use the archive function After I've read it, to put in the archive, and then I can search it later. Right. Um, So I can really keep a whole library of everything I've read.
0: Right. And And then you're saying it also Mm -hmm. integrates with the Readwise app of uh, doing book highlights. Yeah, exactly. I use it for so I have my phone and I can Mm -hmm. take a picture of a page of a book and it puts it into the archive for that book. So um, so Readwise it does. Do you need a subscription to use the RSS reader?
1: Yeah, I think it's about 10 bucks a month um, to use the RSS reader, which then I think includes the ReadWise subscription as well. Um, okay. And so uh, fairly reasonable. Um, and, I mean, it, it really prioritizes speed. So you can use keyboard shortcuts and get through your reading very fast, uh, uh-huh. similar, similar to uh, some of the uh, mail tools like Superhuman, you know, that prioritize speed.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so ReadWise RSS Reader and ReadWise app, which are integrated um, on your phone. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a good one. Um, Okay, so thank you. Um, So Brent, what's another um, tool that you like to share?
1: Yeah, so um, living in Asia, I do a lot of uh, day trips. Um, So, you know, I'll often... I'd often go up to uh, Shenzhen um, for the, you know, stay over the weekend and things like that. And, you know, maybe weekend trips to various parts of uh, uh, Asia, like Singapore. Um, And so I have um, a company that makes some very good bags um, uh, for just using in the city and also traveling. And so um, this is a company called Minal, M-I-N-A-A-L. They have a bag um they call the daily daily carry is this one here um, um
0: you're you're holding up a um a bag yeah. that's um i would say medium sized bag mm-hmm. kind of a largest uh day pack size maybe a little bit in between a day pack and a backpack
1: yeah exactly so, so um exactly yeah this one here? this one is this one's a day pack version um and um so then it's uh uh it, it's it's very very well designed with um a pocket inside. Um looks kind of black, so it's a little bit hard to see maybe, but I'll try and stand up, Joe. So it's got a pocket um for holding iPad and laptop uh-huh. um that is kind of suspended in the bag. So um if you drop it, it's unlikely to damage. Um I think it's kind of you know keeps my keeps my stuff safe. Um and it's just got a lot of good features for um You know a hidden passport pocket um as well um and you know great places to put uh say gym clothes and stuff like that um uh and And,
0: then how does how does it compare to some of the other popular bag makers timbuktu or
1: i i there's some
0: there's so many um uh, did you do a lot of research for um, this, or have you gone through a lot of bags yourself? Um, yeah,
1: I've gone through a few, and I have some friends that have as well. And um, this is kind of an older, older model. Um, uh, it looks bigger. Uh, yeah, this is more of the the travel um, right. uh, carry on to uh, airplane one, um, and yeah, it's it's a bit bigger, um, but very similar function um, and. So uh, I'll use that one for going to, um, uh, for short trips, um, and it's all I need, I can pack everything I need in it. And, and I just found that, like, it's much more well thought out, like, you know, they've, uh, they really thought, you know, of the essential things you need to carry, it's made by some guys that are, I think, digital nomads that have been traveling for a while, Mm -hmm. and, you know, try to really optimize, you know, to have, uh, only what they need, and mm-hmm. so um, I just find that they've they've really figured out you know where the pocket should go, what pockets sh- should have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the last one I just showed you I've had for quite a few years, and and it you know like they came out with a new version, and I was like oh it looks like a little bit better, but like there's no um, no wear and tear on the one I have, so I can't mm-hmm. can't actually even justify getting the new version because it's it's uh, been so durable, so. Um, I find their their products are are good, and they also have very good support as well. Um, uh, one of my uh, straps had broken, and and they just sent me sent me a replacement um, of the of the strap um, and and for free. So um, good support and very well thought out bags.
0: And so it's called a Minnow. M- i M- M- and, a- and and a- 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 yeah. yeah. And it looks like it's like three hundred fifty dollars yeah Uh, yeah and um i don't know it's what 20 30 liters i'm wondering what the size actually is um but uh i forgot it's it's around that it's around probably the the big
1: one's probably around 30 i think um
0: yeah um and so uh um when you're saying from your own use of other bags that this seems to be a little more optimized for digital nomad, meaning that uh, you've got, you know, your laptops and your cords and uh, other stuff that you would be taking mostly as uh, everyday carry, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have um, uh, tech pouches as other accessories. where I, I can put in um, all my cords and stuff like that as well, pack that. And then they even include um, a uh, – let me find the oh, – sorry, it fell down. So they, they even include um, a shirt for packing um, your uh, button-down shirts and stuff. So this is a, uh, a case that you can pack your shirts in, and it includes a
0: well, – That's for the larger size.
1: Yeah this is this is for the larger size and i mean it includes a a, a packing I'm guide
0: cuz you have yeah. your blurring background on Sorry
1: I, I, let me turn off the blur but mm. um uh yeah they include the the packing size uh they include where you can pack uh with instructions on how to pack your shirts and stuff like that um You're holding so, up
0: looks like a kind of a transparent plastic uh Yeah yeah sheet that you would use to insert into a shirt the idea yeah
1: yeah yeah. and then you could pack and then you can pack the shirt um uh with that sheet yeah so Uh um
0: uh um, I I guess the the thing about the bag what I'm trying to figure out is there are so many other bags um uh, available is is um how does it compare to say some of the other high-end digital bags if, if it's sort of in the same league or is there something that is distinctive about the minnow?
1: Um I mean I think it it's durability. I mean like I said it's lasted me a long time. I've done many trips up up to Shenzhen and back. Um and I you know load it up um with uh a lot of gear so laptop um and uh, usually iPad mm-hmm. uh, plus clothing and so you know sometimes I uh if i take it on longer trips it's it's pretty loaded with lots of heavy stuff um as i kind of tend to take a, a whole digital office with me okay. a whole
0: portable office with me when i when i go for longer trips as well Okay, great
1: mm-hmm. okay
0: brent so that's useful so um brent, what's your what's your fourth favorite tool that you like to share
1: Yeah. So the the fourth tool um, is uh, something that I never thought I would need, uh, but I had a friend that also loves to travel and we exchange a lot of travel tools and, and he recommended I try this. So, so it's a, um, I'll hold it up here. It's called a, it's a travel router. Okay. And so So it's it's, about
0: the size of, I don't know, an old cassette player, like a -a walkman. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It has two uh, apparently antennas that are kind of like rounded, like a tongue depressor that flip up on the side, and then you know, then it's hardwired. There's it's a landline. There's there's uh, Ethernet going in, and there's some USB slots. Yeah, for power. Tell us about it. It, it, Yeah, it has
1: it has um, yeah one. uh, outgoing port and to, to local ports as well. Um, and so it's Wi-Fi 6. This version is the Slate AX um, from a company called GL Um, I think they're based in Hong Kong, actually. Um, and so I never really thought I'd need this. Um, what do you uh, but what I do is, you know, especially when I'm going on a longer trip and maybe staying at a hotel, um, so uh and you know maybe you want to work from that hotel you know I'll usually have a bunch of devices and maybe I'm with my wife and she also has her devices and so I just bring this and I can connect just this Wi-Fi router to the hotel Wi-Fi
0: um and wait, 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 then, wait, wait, wait so you the this router will pick up the hotel Wi-Fi so it's there's no there's no cable right you're just picking up the hotel Wi-Fi and then, yeah. what do you do with that?
1: Yeah, so there's multiple ways. So um, you know, you can you can, as you saw, you can do it. You know, connecting to hotel Ethernet. But if a hotel doesn't have Ethernet, um, it can actually be a bridge to the hotel Wi-Fi. So you end up keeping all your devices on this router's network, um, and then this router becomes a bridge to hotel Wi-Fi. So you only have to connect the router to the hotel Wi-Fi once, and then. Um, uh, all your devices can connect to the router. So that means um you don't have to enter Wi-Fi passwords on every single iPad, iPhone, uh, and Mac um that you bring. Um, you know, they can just start working um after you get this one set up. Um and so I find it just quite convenient. Um uh and you know it can also use um you know it also has options to do a cellular connection as well so like if the hotel wi-fi is not um fast but the 5g where you're staying is is fast um uh it's also good and i mean like in in one situation it was very useful because we went um to uh indonesia for a weekend trip um, and it turned out that the resort we were staying at allowed just one device per room Um, so, and, and it was very slow internet. So, um, by using this, I was able to get around the fact that we could only use one device on per, per room, um, Mm -hmm. and which meant, meant my wife could still post to Instagram and I could still get some work done and stuff like that as we, as we stayed at the hotel. So, so so this is, um,
0: this is useful for travelers who have more mm -hmm. than one device that they want to get connected to Wi Fi, And if you have a lot of them, it just saves A lot of hassle Mm -hmm. because you just have one to log in and presumably you log in there's no screen or keyboard on this you log in through uh, one of your laptops to yeah so it
1: it it has um uh uh, admin panel that you can log into um which is fairly easy admin panel uh Mm. that allows you to set it up um i mean you you know you do have to have some idea of networking and and stuff um uh, and how how networking works, but it's not, you know, you can learn it. It's not the hardest, um, and and uh, um, you know, it it has a lot of other functions for you know VPN and and encryption and stuff. So it also can help you know maybe protect your data on on public hotel Wi-Fi as well.
0: But so, so does it have its own VPN, like, or do you still have your? Yeah, what? I mean, you can
1: you can set up you can set it up to log into some. You know yes. some of your VPN service providers like ExpressVPN or whatever. So then it can always be logged in to, um, you know, yeah. uh, a VPN, and and then you don't have to worry about your laptop. Um, you know your traffic uh, as you go on hotel public Wi-Fi, right?
0: Right. So, okay. Um, and how much does that cost?
1: Um, I think it was about a hundred and twenty some dollars. I forget exactly, but yeah. Um, they have they have various uh, versions of this. Um uh this I think is probably one of the latest ones. Um uh-huh.
0: and uh it's yeah. a Wi-Fi six travel router. Yeah, yeah. Um Wi-Fi six it, is that the brand?
1: Yeah, the 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 company is called GLINet. And uh the this model that I was showing is called the Slate AX um Wi-Fi 6 gigabit router mm. in your pocket. Um yeah, so um, it you know it supports a lot of the um, you know public um, open source software that that you know you can use. and uh, lists of tons of tons of VPNs on the product page, um, and so I found it to be something I never thought would be useful. You know, it's a, it is another device to lug around, but but it ends up being quite quite useful for security and just convenience and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, particularly if you have multiple devices or you're traveling with multiple people, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um,
0: If you're probably just a single traveler with one laptop, it may not be as useful.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, Well, that's great, Brent. Thank you for your suggestions and recommendations. Um, We have a few minutes to, um, to hear if you have something that you want to share with our audience. A passion project or um something else you want to mention
1: yeah i mean so mainly i just wanted to to um come on your show because of all all the great stuff you've you've been involved with and and it, it's it's you know i thought i had some good good tools to share after listening it- to, to hundreds of hundreds of episodes um but i mean yeah if anybody wants to connect with me um you know i'm looking for uh I just started my journey on learning this Rust language um and Mm -hmm. really getting back into programming and and happy to connect with people that are interested in learning and um especially in Asia as I probably will start to organize some Rust meetups and stuff in Hong Kong or Singapore how how Um, are you
0: finding Hong Kong these days
1: uh hong kong is 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 gotten a bit better uh you know it had some some trouble times with a lot of uh, protests and and covid uh but now it's finally open and you know uh events are back and and uh people are coming and and you know it's um it, it's it's still like quite a great place to to live um you know lots of beaches and hiking and uh, outdoor activities that, that people don't expect of such a such a, a busy metropolitan city uh, with so many people
0: do you feel the effects of this sort of sluggish economy is that showing up at all
1: uh, yeah i i still tend to see some you know local businesses closing restaurants closing and stuff um, but there are also new things uh, but i think yeah it's not uh uh not as uh go-go as as it used to be before uh, before the protests happened unfortunately mm-hmm. uh but yeah i mean you know uh weather's pretty pretty good still and and especially this time of year and, and uh yeah quite, i don't know a convenient place to live
0: i don't know much about working in hong kong versus say working in the rest of china but um if someone was interested in working in hong kong do they have to master chinese
1: uh, for you don't really need it, but unfortunately, all the job descriptions that you're applying for will say that you need to speak Chinese. Yeah, and I think it's been kind of uh, more and more a requirement that you know Chinese to to be hired in Hong Kong. Even though uh, I speak Chinese, but I still get by with without using it uh, a lot in Hong Kong, and even talking to a lot of the mainland colleagues that I work with. Um. So. Um, it can be a little bit difficult that way, but Hong Kong has introduced some um, some policies for allowing uh, kind of. There's some special talent programs where if you went to like I think they have a list of top 100 universities, um, and if you went to one of those, it can be very easy to get a visa. I think even without a, really having a job. Um, you mean the 100
0: universities in the, in in the West
1: yeah uh actually. yeah i mean they will list it, okay. it might be even in china too and in asia as well and australia they have some um but so i think that's a scheme um somebody young that's just out of school might look into if they want to uh-huh. experience hong kong where they can actually get here and live here and then try and find something um you know if once they get on the grounds um mm-hmm. i was lucky that you know when i was graduated from school i i found a job uh, from from Michigan State University in Shenzhen and uh, it was quite, quite rare at the time to be able to find a job online um, uh, working in China, but, uh, but I was lucky to do that.
0: And, uh, Shenzhen is actually a pretty cool city in itself. Why do you, why do you prefer to live in Hong Kong versus Shenzhen? Um, well, I mean, one of the big reasons I think is that Hong Kong
1: still has open internet. And uh, and I can, and fast internet, you know, like it's, it's very fast here. I've got, you know, friends that have, you know, uh, 10 gigabyte internet connections and stuff. And, and they, it's great. And if, if you live in China, it can be very interesting. And, and, but it is a very different internet. I mean, you have to very get you have to get used to WeChat and uh, um, using all the Chinese tools because like most of it is not. Accessible without a VPN, and even those are blocked sometimes. So, um, uh, for somebody like me in computer science, where I'm, uh, you know, trying to learn all the latest um, AI technologies and stuff, um, you know, uh, it's it's more interesting to be outside of mm-hmm. of China uh, at this time, and even some tools such as uh, ChatGPT. Um, ChatGPT itself doesn't allow it to be used in Hong Kong. You have to use uh, VPN um, just because of the political, political situation, I think, um, uh, between the U.S. and and China these days. Um, so unfortunately, uh, due to that, um, it's been a little bit more rough to to stay on the cutting edge um, of a lot of the stuff that's coming out of Silicon Valley, you know, while being in Asia, unless you're in say Hong Kong or Singapore. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's Hong Kong even though it is technically integrated with China, does it still feel like it's outside of China?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's still, it still feels like it's outside. Um, you know, it's, it's still very different. I mean, it's different currency. Um, you know, I mean, and, uh, it's, it's, it's still, you know, much more English speaking. Um, and, uh, you know, you really still feel the British influence and and Western influence in Hong Kong. Um, so, it, it, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it is getting more integrated, and and um, there's there's a lot more policies by the the Chinese government to to integrate Hong Kong with uh, with the Greater Bay Area, um, uh, you know, including Shenzhen and Guangzhou and all of those uh, cities in the Pearl River Delta.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for for that. Um, I suppose if anybody has questions about trying to make their way to Hong Kong to work, they might ask you a question or two.
1: Yeah, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, um, you can put my LinkedIn in the show notes. Um, people can look me up as uh, Brent Everman on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to uh, to connect right. with me these days. Yeah.
0: And how's you? And where did you learn Chinese? I studied Chinese at Michigan State University
1: um, and. You know, luckily that university had a lot of good study abroad programs, so I did a couple study abroad programs in in 1996 and in 1998 in China at uh, Tsinghua University, um, and then, uh, you know, was able to get enough Chinese where I was able to, to yeah. graduate and come to Shenzhen and live and and yeah. use it there. So it Beijing
0: great. in the '90s was still pretty, pretty raw
1: yeah yeah there's uh good good memories of that time uh being a student in Beijing it's uh yeah. it's very very fun time to uh yeah to experience China and and, and see see it change so much uh, I mean it's it's crazy yeah. the amount of change yeah.
0: yeah well thank you again Brett for your volunteering we appreciate the cool tools that you shared with us and um best of luck in your adventure with rust in Hong yeah.
1: Kong no problem. I appreciate it. It's very nice to talk to you, and uh, thanks for all the all the tools you've introduced over the years and, and wisdom uh, you've you've uh, imparted in all the podcasts I've listened to. You, uh, it's great.
0: My pleasure. Appreciate My it. joy. Thank you. This year, our cool tools blog will be twenty years old, which means we've been posting something new every day for twenty years. It's only possible because of the very engaged and knowledgeable readers and listeners like yourself. You've kept this place going, and we are very grateful for you. With this idea of 20 years in mind, um, we decided to try an experiment this year, and I'm inviting our guests and listeners to join me on our Cool Tool Show and Tell, which is the program that you're listening to right now. So if you feel you'd make a good guest on this podcast and have four uncommon tools that you'd like to share with us, um, please sign up on our form on the website and we'll see about inviting you. You must be comfortable taking on, talking on a video and um, you need to have some tools that you can show Um, We record on, as you know, on Zoom. We do a YouTube version, a video version of it, as well as an audible version. Fill out the form if you're interested and um, list your four four cool tools, and we'll see if there's a good fit. The applications aren't guaranteed in any way, um, and we're looking at tools that are new to us and appropriate tools and um, whether the times will work for you. So um, we're really interested in hearing from people all over the world, not just in the U.S., although the tools have to be available online, easily available online. And um, if you are a longtime listener, you kind of know what the definition of our tools are. They're very broad. They can be anything that's handy, from something in the kitchen to something used to travel to a workshop to something professional that we may not know about. We're really interested in things that we don't know anything about. So um, this is an open invitation. We'll give it a try. If you think you make a good guest for this podcast, um, fill out the form. There'll be a link somewhere on our website. Um, And we look forward to, to chatting with you. Thank you.